0: Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. You know, peace is something that is elusive in our lives. Just stay standing for a moment. We're going to read some scriptures something that's elusive, peace is something that we can't get quite a handle on at times because of fear in our lives. I want us to read a passage of scripture, Psalm 3, you can find that in your Bible that you brought with you, or on your phone, we're going to read it together on the screens in just a moment. But David in this psalm expresses so many different kinds of emotion, and one of the emotions that he's feeling is fear, that's what we want to talk about tonight. And hear from God, from his words, speak to us about fear in our lives. As we read these words, listen for the emotion that you hear in David's voice. And uh, I pray that God will speak to you through that. So let's just read now Psalm 3 together. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. God, as we look at your word tonight, what you have to say to us, I pray, God, that you would remind us who you are. Remind us of who you are. That your promises are always there that you are a faithful God. You never change what you say will happen. I pray, God, that you would remind us who we are, that we are precious to you, that we are cherished, we are valued, we are your children. You died for us. And I pray, God, that you would help us to not place our significance, our worth, our value, our self-esteem, our security, our safety, our wisdom... We wouldn't place any of this in anything else but only in you. I pray for everyone in this room who struggles with fear, a debilitating fear, a pervasive fear, a constant fear, a fear that keeps them up at night, that God, by your spirit, you would free them from this fear that is limiting their freedom in you, Jesus. May you bring freedom tonight in Jesus name we pray amen you can have a seat so we're just going to talk for a few moments here about fear there's so many people that are afraid that walk around afraid in their lives why are you afraid when you feel fear in your life why are you afraid What's going on in you that's causing this fear that you feel? This time in our world has been called by some as an age of fear. Psychologists discern that there's a fear epidemic at work in our society. One author says this about our North American culture, that we want to be comfortable. That's our greatest goal in life. Be comfortable. Sitting in our lazy boy, sitting in our nice houses, driving our nice cars, making, you know, having a good job. We want comfort almost above everything else. We strive, we search, we struggle for comfort. And so any little bit of discomfort that we feel sort of rattles us and we become afraid of being uncomfortable. This author says that we're afraid of failure, we're afraid of being hurt, we're afraid of conflict, we're afraid of people, we're afraid of what people think, we're afraid of not having enough. And really, in our North American society, we don't have to worry about having enough. Our fear is that we won't have as much as that person over there. That we're afraid of what people think about us, we're afraid of our future, we're afraid of our past think of this little phrase that we all say. Your past will come back to what? Haunt you. Who wants to be haunted? (laughs) That's scary, right? We live in fear. Fear affects our relationships, affects our bodies, affects our emotions, affects our brain chemistry to the point that we can't even concentrate and make wise decisions because of fear in our lives. We're afraid. I mean, how many of you have ever been afraid? Every hand should go up, right? Otherwise, you're lying, right? We've all been afraid at times. There's a healthy fear, and there's an unhealthy fear. One of my fears is this. How many of you up at the top of the Calgary Tower have seen this two-inch or one-inch plexiglass that they call a floor? I I can't stand on that floor. I, I, I can't do that, I'm afraid of that. Is there anybody with me in the room? Right? A few people. Thank you. I love you all. We're, we're like brothers. We're sisters, brothers and sisters. Like I, I mean, who knew? Who knows how that was built and installed? Really? Who knows? Um, and you know what? People walk across it every day, but I'll bet you anything, by the time I would step on it, it would just fall right through. I can't stand on that. And really... Who wants to stand on that? Like, who thinks that's a good idea? Really? Like, okay, you guys are crazy. Um, Really, but here's the thing. I have this fear of heights, but I could force myself to stand on that glass. And I don't know what enjoyment that would bring to my life, but I could force myself to do that, but guaranteed my, I mean, even as I think about it, my hands are getting a little sweaty. You know what? My stomach would be in knots. I would have this fear of emotion rise up in me. In Psalm 3 that we just read, so many different emotions that David expresses in here. I mean, don't you love that? Man, slap those people in the face. My enemies. <laughs> I love that that's in the Bible, right? I mean, this, just this raw emotion. Um, but there's anger in here, right? David's angry. There's a level of honesty about his despair, And there's even elements of assurance and peace in this texture. But certainly we see fear. We see fear through this whole uh, Psalm 3. Why is David afraid? We're going to look at that. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Can you put your finger on it? Can you name it why you are afraid? Why is David afraid? David starts out by saying this. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. You see, there's two levels of fear. There's a real fear of enemies. Real fear of someone that's going to hurt you, someone that's going to harm you, someone that's going to injure you, someone that's going to kill you or destroy you or do all of those things to someone that you love. That's a, that's a healthy form of fear. Fear. There's a healthy form where you can specifically identify a situation, a circumstance, a person, something that will come and injure you, something that will come and harm you. We should be afraid of that. If you see a car, you're crossing the street, you see a car coming at you and it's not slowing down, you should be afraid. And in that situation, likely adrenaline is going to rush through your bloodstream, trigger your muscles, trigger your brain, and say, get out of here right now, and you're going to jump to safety. There's a healthy form of fear when we can specifically identify the things that are going to harm us. God made us this way. David has real enemies that are after him. He wrote this psalm when his son overthrew his kingdom, David's kingdom. Absalom now is in Jerusalem. He's taken over the throne. He's taken over the kingship. David has fled Jerusalem. He's on the outskirts of Jerusalem running for his life. He has enemies. He should be afraid. There's a healthy form of fear. But there's another level of fear that's quite unhealthy. David gets at this in verse 2. David says this, So many are saying, so many are saying, God will never rescue him. Many are saying, have you ever experienced fear in your life? Because many people around you are saying. Many people are whispering. Many people are saying this about you. You think some people are saying this about you. You think people are acting against you. You think people are are trying to come against you. You think people are plotting against you. You think people are are gossiping about you. You think people are ridiculing you. You think people are making fun about you. You think people are mocking your achievements. You think people are putting you down and calling you stupid. Calling you names. You think people are conspiring against you at work. Have you ever been in this situation where many people are saying. In fact, maybe even people are saying things to you about God that are not true. They're speaking lies into your life about God. Many people are saying. People in this verse here, David's saying people are attacking his character. They're attacking his reputation. They're attacking David's identity. They're attacking David's destiny. They're speaking lies about God to David. That God won't deliver him. God won't help him. Do you ever feel this way at times? I have. We feel this way at times. The second level of fear is quite unhealthy because it's sort of nebulous. You can't really put your finger on it. You can't really even name this this kind of fear that I've just described. But you feel it. It's undefined. You don't know where the fear is. You don't know where the fear is coming from. It debilitates us, it paralyzes us, it keeps us from making decisions, and it's a fear that causes us to say, I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what they mean by that. Boy, if I I bring this up with this person, I wonder what they're going to think about me. It causes us to think all of these things. People are saying, people are saying, this kind of fear leaves us When we feel this kind of fear and reaction to what people are saying, what people are thinking, what people are doing, it leaves us restless. It leaves us agitated. It puts us on the defensive. Always makes us cautious and nervous. And we feel this kind of fear when ourselves are being threatened. When our security is being threatened, when our identity is being threatened, when our self-worth is being threatened, when our self-esteem, our reputation, our achievements, our values, our dreams, our future, our past is being threatened. We feel this sort of fear. But we don't need to feel this kind of fear. We do not need to live in fear. We don't. Fear is not from God. Fear is of God's enemy, Satan. He is the orchestrator of fear in our lives. We don't need to live in fear. And I see Christians suffering with this sort of fear. It keeps them living the life of freedom that Jesus died for and Jesus promised. Fear has the power to control us. It has the power to manipulate us. It has the power to make us slaves to it. It has the power to direct our lives, to change our future. Here's the thing that you need to know about fear. What you fear establishes the boundaries of your freedom. What you fear establishes the boundaries of your freedom. If you're afraid of heights, you won't go high. If you're afraid of people, you'll be in your basement and you will be lonely. If you're afraid of intimacy... And love, you will never feel loved. If you're afraid of community, you won't belong. If you're afraid of your sin, you may not feel forgiven. The thing that you fear sets the boundaries for your freedom. And did Christ come to set us free? Absolutely. To free us from our fear. So what does David do about his fear? What does he do? Here's the first thing that David does. David reminds himself of who God is to him in his specific situation. David reminds himself of who God is to him in his specific situation. David says this, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You, O Lord, are a shield around me. The kind of shield that David is talking about here is not a small, round shield that's used for hand-to-hand combat. No, this is a big shield from the dirt, probably five feet high, and it curves around like this, protects you on every side around you. This kind of shield offers almost complete protection. This kind of shield is the Kind of shield that soldiers used when they were following their general into battle, when they were stepping into enemy territory, when they were fighting their enemy, when they were pursuing their enemy, when they were going after the thing that was coming against them. You used this shield when you were going into greatest danger. And David says, when I have so many enemies around me, when I think that so many people are saying these things about me, Oh Lord, you are a shield around me. You see, in the middle of your fear, you need to know that God is your protector. You need to know that God is your protector. He is with you. He is protecting you. He, like we sung, angel armies all around you. That is who God is to you in your fear. And what this means is, That God won't keep you from your fear. What this means is that God won't keep you from being uncomfortable. He won't keep you from criticism. He won't keep you from struggle. He won't keep you from hardship. He won't keep you from tough stuff. He may actually take you into danger in order to refine you, in order to strengthen you, in order to shore up your faith in him, in order to develop perseverance in you. God may take you into struggle in order to save you from a greater struggle down the road in your life. But his promise is that he will be with you and he will shield you from the attack of fear. He will shield you. Here's my point. He knows what you're going through and he's with you. He knows what you can handle and he's with you and he knows that you might be crying and he will cry with you and he will mourn with you and he will struggle with you and he will empower you and he will sustain you and he will be all that you need for you in your situation. He is faithful to you but he doesn't promise us a comfortable life. He doesn't promise us A life without struggles, but he'll be with us in them. He will be your shield in the attack, in the bad, when within the bad, because here's the thing a shield only works when you're in battle. You don't need a shield if you're not in the fight. God's protection will be proven only when you are facing your fear, only when you are pressing into your fear, only when you're addressing that fear, only in your struggle. That is the time that his shielding and his protection and him being for you will be manifest, will be made real in your life. Shield only works when you're obedient to God. And so you can say with David, all I know, all I know is that you, O God, the shield around me in the middle of my circumstance. And then David says this. David says, You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I love that. You are my glory, God, the one who holds my head high. You see, there must have been some things in David's life that at one time in the past had been the things that were his glory. There were the things that that David had held in high esteem that David honored, that David cherished, that uh, David's heart had affection for. There must have been some things in David's life that he had desire for and that he placed in the highest place in his life. But David says, "Now, God, you are my glory." You see, David once had power, he once had fame, he once had prosperity, he once had prestige, he once had a great reputation. But now it's all gone. He's out in the, in the suburbs of Jerusalem, in the hills, hiding out for his very life. David was punted by his son from his throne. David's significance, all the things that he built his life on were gone. His sense of self-worth, his sense of power, his sense of all that he had from being popular, from being famous... I mean, the question would be, David, now that you're not king, now that you're not in power, now that you don't have all of this stuff, who are you, David? Who are you? Who are you now? David says, my glory is in God. The things that I honor, the things that I desire, the things that I give priority now to is you, God. Here's the thing in our lives. If we look to other people for our value, for our self-worth, for our self-esteem, we will constantly be trying to please other people. Exactly what Catalina spoke about. If we get our self-worth from people around us, we'll constantly be trying to please them and we will be so afraid because if we don't make them happy, they won't say good things about us. If you're afraid of not doing things right, if you're afraid of not achieving high success, if you're, if you're, if you're task-oriented that way, you're going to be in fear. You're going to live in fear from always getting things right. You're going to be afraid of exams. You're going to be afraid of failing. You're going to be afraid of taking risks because your self-worth is caught up in doing things right. If you're, some people are afraid of three simple words. I am sorry. Some people can't say those words because their self-value is so fragile. For for them to admit that they've done something wrong would shatter their their self-worth. It's so fragile. And so these sorts of people live their, their lives constantly blaming others because I don't do anything wrong and always being on the defensive, trying to prop up their ego and their self-esteem and their pride. They live in fear, constant fear. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Whatever you are afraid of most likely is an area that your ego or your identity or your safety or your security is attached to. And it's attached to something else other than God. And God being the one that is your glory. God being the one that you glorify. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse, your children, your wealth, your popularity, your significance, your status. These things are vulnerable. These things are all going to be gone one day. What people say about us, what they think of us, that will be gone one day. And the fear that you feel, the fear that you feel in your life is smoke. Timothy Keller says it this way, the fear that you feel in life is smoke. It's a signal. It's a signal that something in your life has become too important to you and you fear losing that or you fear not gaining that and there's smoke and the smoke is a signal to you track down that smoke find its source there's a fire in your life find out what that is where that fear comes from all the things that David had his glory tied in they're now gone and here's the thing all of these things that David had in his life they were the things that held his head high so that he could walk around with confidence and courage and boldness, because he was somebody. He held his head high. And now this is what David says. And you, O oh God, is my glory. You are the one who holds my head high. You are the one. Because he knows that, how God sees him. He knows how God sees him. David says now, you are the one I find my identity in. You're the one I find my strength in. You're the one I find my worth in. You're the one I find my value in, my wisdom in. You, God, are the one I hope in. You are the one who has my future under control. You are the one that holds my destiny and my hope and everything in his hands. And you, God, is my glory. You're the one that holds my head up high. I can only walk around in confidence because of you, God. That is what David is saying here. Fear is gone. And in this phrase, David is saying, I know that God loves me. I know that God is for me. I know that God honors me. I know that God loves me. How does David know this about God? How does David know that God is proud of him, that God loves him, that God honors him? If you know anything about David's story, he failed in almost every area of his life. Every area, an adulterer, a murderer, a terrible dad. Failure as a king, his own son overthrew overthrew him. Failure in so many areas in his life, and yet he could say, God is proud of me, God loves me, God's the one that holds my head up high. I can only have confidence because of God. God. Here's the thing, if you knew this about yourself, if you believed all of the things that God says about you, if you believed all the ways that God feels towards you and sees you, we would have no fear. These are true statements about God sees us, but how do we know that this is true? How do you know that He is your shield, that He is your glory, that He lifts your head so you can walk around in confidence? How do you know this? Look at what David says. David says this next. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. Where is this holy mountain that David is talking about? This is Mount Zion. This is the tabernacle. This is the place of sacrifice. God answers david from the place of sacrifice see david knew his bible david writes psalm 3 pulling from the words of genesis 15 where god speaks to abraham there's some words in genesis 15 that are exactly the same that we find here in psalm 3 God says this to Abraham. He says this to Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your great reward or I am your glory. And in verse 8, Abraham says to God, well, God, how do I know? How do I know that you're my shield? How do I know that all of the good things in life will come from you, that you see me as your child? You see me as a loved, respected, honored person. How do you know? How do I know? See, in chapter 15, goes on in this great account of sacrifice. This is a covenant that God made with Abraham. This God tells this to Abraham. He says, Abraham, get some animals to sacrifice to me. And Abraham thinks that he is going to be making a covenant promise with God. Abraham thinks that he's going to be making an oath, making a commitment to God, and so and and um That's what he thinks is going to happen here. And so Abraham gets all of the animal sacrifices ready and then darkness falls and Abraham falls asleep and he has a dream. And in Abraham's dream, he sees animal sacrifices on two separate sides and a torch passing through the middle of these animal sacrifices and that torch is God himself. And in this chapter, God is making promises to Abraham, not Abraham making promises to God. And God makes promises with Abraham for all of Abraham's descendants and into the future and even today. And God says, I will be faithful. I will love you. I will bless you. I will keep you. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will forgive your sins. And God makes promises to humankind. And God says, I will keep my promises. They will never end. And if I break my promises, then God says, may I be like these animal sacrifices here. That is how Abraham knew who God was. And David says, I cried out to God and God answered me from his holy hill from the place of sacrifice where God makes his promises so real to us how do you know that God is your shield how do you know that God is so worth all the glory all the affection all the devotion that you can muster in your, in your soul how do you know that God is the lifter of your head, that he holds your head high by the way that he feels about you. How do you know this? See, God answers us from a holy hill, a holy hill called Golgotha, a holy hill where a sacrifice was prepared, a holy hill that darkness fell And the Son of God was crucified as proof, as proof of how God sees you, as proof that God loves you, as proof that God is for you, as proof that your value, your self-esteem, your self-worth must be found in Jesus Christ. That holy hill was God's promise that his perfect love can take away any fear that you feel. And that the good news of Jesus Christ is good news to you in each and every aspect of life that you have fear in. You see, we cried out to God and God answered us in Jesus Christ. And let me just say, fear has no part In your life, because of what Jesus Christ has done. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.